world and welcome to South of Hollywood. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have my very favorite co-host here ever, Juliana. Hi everybody, very happy to be here. Very happy to see my friend Ife again. It's been yes. years. So Juliana, tell me where you're at. I am in Oakland, California, uh, in Chinatown. So yeah, just living, living the Chinatown life is awesome. Oh my gosh, Juliana is so amazing. I, I just, I wish we could jump right into it, you know, but let's get a cute little warm up, you okay. know? So tell us, what have you been watching, Juliana? Cause you're, you're pretty amazing. You've got a amazing taste. <laughs> okay, what I have been watching. Um, I watch a lot of documentaries. Um, it's kind of my favorite thing to watch is what I watch when I want to relax, uh, which is kind of weird. Uh, maybe you, you might be like that too. I know you're, I am, I yeah. definitely am. I am. Yeah. I know. I know. So, you know, how that's maybe it might be weird. Uh, so some of my favorite stuff that I've seen so far, um, Attica, have you seen Attica? Oh yes. By Stanley Nielsen. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Yep. I am a big Stanley Nielsen, uh, stand. Stan, a stand, stand. <laughs> yes, I'm a stand, stand, like big time. So I kind of watch everything he puts out. But that movie um, really taught me a, a history of the U.S. that I, that I did really not know. know. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was stellar. So that was really good. Um, and it's, if I'm not mistaken, it got an Oscar nomination. Did it? It is. I think it is Oscar nominated. Um, and it was it was available on Showtime when I actually saw it. Um, mm -hmm. so. yeah. There you I go. It's amazing. I think people should watch it. It's a history. You know, again, people are always telling us, oh, the police are just doing their job. They're just doing your job. I mean, there is a documented longstanding history of the police being used to carry out atrocities. That's right. Against the Constitution, against citizens, against that's our right. civil liberties. And that's just a fact. Yeah. It's... um sometimes it's easy for us to put that idea of like, oh, you know, following orders um, and, and just like blame the, the institution, the institution, or sometimes blame only the individual as if like, oh, you know, something like the Holocaust would never happen again because just individuals, we, we just wouldn't get there again. And it's mm -hmm. just not how that works. Those things that work in 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 conjunction with with each other and it's kind of like if you are not understanding that like if you don't have a good grasp of how the individual shapes the the institution and how an institution in turn shapes the individual yeah then you're going to continue blaming the wrong people the wrong reasons and never really fixing the issue and i thought attica it's kind of like a glimpse in history where you see the brutality and um, and the corruption of both how both individual and institution can corrupt and be corrupt together. Um, so yeah. I thought that was fantastic. I'm happy I got a nomination. Yes, such a great film. Truly yeah. amazing. Yes. Um, on that same, so since we're talking about films, I just thought of another one um, that I actually have not seen it yet, but it's like, it's. I'm going to watch it today mm -hmm. and maybe we can, um, this, you know, you can discuss it in the future or we can chat after and see like what we think. But um, Frontline um, and PBS just put out an awesome documentary um, called American Reckoning. I think I heard about that. Mm -hmm. You heard about that? So it's um, actually a spinoff of their uh, latest um, interactive documentary called um, Unresolved, which was released in the last summer, summer 2021. And um, the Unresolved tells a story of 150 cases of uh, brutality during the civil rights era. A uh, murder, lynching, um, uh, not lynching is not murder, but murder, just like senseless murder and also senseless uh, lynching. Violence, yeah. Violence in general, yeah. And they kind of took a, a close look on those 151 cases, which yeah. was um, pretty brutal. And you can kind of uh, explore each story and each victim and kind of how, how it happened. And it puts on a map. It's it's interactive and it's really cool. And as a spin-off of that, they have a podcast with the same name, but they also just released this documentary called American Reckoning, mm -hmm. that it's about um, the murder of Warless Jackson, who was a, a leader of the NAACP, and he was murdered during the civil rights era. 
Um, so it's just kind of like, um, again, kind of like Attica, it's, you know, a, a closer look mm -hmm. into a specific story to tell a bigger problem. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and the way that they went through this, uh, they created this movie was by finding an archival film that hadn't been seen before from the times like primary source documentary made in the 1960s by two documentaries that went down there to to kind of cover two black documentaries that went down there to cover it the mm -hmm. archive the footage kind of got lost and was never found and it, it's been it was being held in new orleans at the um, uh amistad research center in mm -hmm. new orleans which i had never heard about um, yeah. you know, I'm into archives and research and stuff. Yeah. I had never heard about that. And uh, the researchers went down there, found this movie, and kind of built the documentary around this footage. So I'm very curious to watch it. I want to see, yeah. yeah, this footage that they found is like a whole documentary that was never seen, made by two civil rights, you know, activists. That has just been sitting on the archives. So I'm happy PBS and Frontline had the resources to kind of dig out and, and make, make the film out of it. Um, so I haven't seen it yet again, but um, yeah, that's something that yes. That sounds fascinating. I mean, I you, honestly, I know people complain about this all the time, but to me, there are simply not enough stories yeah. about the Black American history, a Black American experience about the civil rights movement, about how the black civil rights movement impacted America's entire trajectory, how it changed everything, how, you know, it impacted everyone. I mean, there's countless stories to be had. I think about uh, the assassinations too. Um, mm -hmm. That's very important because again, that is a very lost history. Mm -hmm. In this day and age, I am truly baffled by the Republican desire to do away with, let's say, critical race theory, right? Because number one, I know it just makes you scratch your head, doesn't it? It's just like it so asinine. It, number one, it, it hasn't been taught systematically in school at ever, at any yeah. point. At no mm -hmm. point has Black or, or literally there's a book called The People's History of America, right? That mm -hmm. book was written in the 70s also, I believe. And mm -hmm. that history is literally to this day still not created considered canon right yeah and, there, there are no sixth graders out there reading like fanon you know like yeah, or, right. you're not reading yeah it's not happening they're not <laughs> learning about lumumba sir it's totally that's not what's happening in public yeah. education by I, any stretch of the imagination right no, no in fact the whole push the whole movement behind you know black history month really becoming popular in the 80s and 90s was in response to that history still being kept out of education perfect yes still being kept out of schools yeah you know because martin Luther king day did not happen until what 83 or something like that like it wasn't law until much later yeah so people were saying hey this history is real it's a part of america it's important it's important and it's impacting us today right mm -hmm. we've been saying it's impacting us today the mm -hmm. whole time yeah and That's they're still fact. being like oh no everything's fine now no no we're still experiencing these these phenomena today yeah. And um, I think, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, your point is, it's so taken. It's like, it hasn't been taught out there. Someone needs to show it. And if you don't want it in the classrooms, then yes, you're going to have to sit your ass down and watch a documentary. Documentaries. Yes. I mean, what else you want? Or you, or, or you just live in, in oblivion. In complete ignorance. Yeah. And in fact, the irony is, that the the most ignorant people that we are we are forced to experience today are those who never got a critical race theory lens education yeah and became yeah. politicians became our uh bosses became mm -hmm. the people who you know manage public represent. affairs yeah. and media and represent you know and journalists you know and so we're we're all burdened as a society by them yeah. Because they can't comprehend that these things are cultural constructs. They That's are right. not universals, you know. Yeah. They make they, they make the United States worse by yeah. using, yeah, I agree. Yeah. To acknowledge, and these are facts. These are like, these, and in fact, these are things that are considered to have happened in modern history, mm -hmm. right? This is not even ancient history. <laughs> this is considered yesterday. 
That's you right. know, the last 400 years of American of human history are very recent. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That is another concept that um, I don't know if people realize. You know, sometimes I'm just like chilling out, sitting down, and I think, you know, like the Mayans or or like some yeah. other other civilizations ruled pieces of land so much bigger and more important than the United States will ever be, and they fell. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, and they did it thousands of years ago, right? Years ago, and they went down. So I don't understand how people cannot understand that the United States can go down too. That this empire, unless it's constantly worked on to provide some sort of justice and and you know and and a, a a a just place for people to coexist it's gonna fall other places have fallen before before. yeah like so either you work towards it you work to make it better Mm -hmm. or people will rise up like that is just how things like that's how they go so i know i went already on a tangent because i love talking to you it's amazing i know but you know that's exactly it you know so i've actually been watching a lot of documentaries too Good. And so I, yeah, I basically, I'm watching a documentary like maybe every other day at this point. Um, But, you know, I, I am looking recently at like, for that reason to have a little bit of balance. So, you know, I'm seeing some of those, I watched Attica, like I said, Mm -hmm. um, but I've also tried to watch um, some things that are a little more lighthearted, like Summer of Soul. Oh, yes. So good. And it was so good. Uh, I just loved everything about it. I love Mahalia Jackson. I first of all see Mahalia Jackson; she was like gorgeous. Talk about mm-hmm. it. Um, and even that realization that for begin again, this is on the cusp of the civil rights movement, right? This is '69. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the leaders have all you know physically been stricken away, or so they thought, you know. Yeah. But here, these people were where there was an artistic revolution from religion to let's say secular. Mm-hmm. And it was happening kind of right in this moment of again, American was America as a society was changing extensively. Yeah. Um, I believe the 1970s is actually when they uh well, let me not even say anything, but basically, you know, they were in the midst <laughs> of war, you mm. know, there again the you know, the Civil Rights Act has now had a few years to you know be taken into desegregation into effect. Yeah. Um but people are still experiencing social segregation, right? Mm-hmm. And again, the yeah. movement was, you know, the sexual revolution. It was also uh, Roe versus Wade, mm-hmm. you know, the pill was legal, you know, abortion yeah. was legal. So the society yeah. was just changing really rapidly for people. So for this Black community and culture to be embracing of that transition with this music and this yeah. musical event, and, you know, this from religious slash pop stars to like, funk, psychedelic, mm-hmm. rock and roll, yeah. you know, uh, sexy, just like everything in between. And so yeah. I just love that expression of blackness that that was kind of unfolding right in that moment from from the literally from the 1900s into the, you know, 2000s, yeah. right? Basically, t- they took us. That's who raised us, you know, Gladys Knight. I was like, oh, my God, look at Gladys Knight. <laughs> you know, as like a 19 year old girl, like, it's yeah. crazy, you know. Yeah, so I really loved it. It was just so beautiful. Yeah, uh, yeah, that is a good one. Um, mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah. You know what? I, what else I liked too, and I think I felt like that documentary was an homage to all of these years of Black culture, clearly impacting and influencing um, American the the the. Um, mm-hmm. The you know the overall American history, but always kind of like. Yeah, but you know, not really. Kind of like yeah, never really, right. as never really taking into consideration that American culture as a whole is pretty much the bedrock of it is mm-hmm. black artists and black creatives that have been like working so hard for themselves and for their art, and then you know that gets seeped in. And in Brazil, if you go and think of like back in the day of American music, people would say jazz so quickly, yeah. you know, so quickly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but never really fully um, embraced because yeah. of white supremacy or whatever. So I felt like that movie was an homage to to a whole century of impact and and influence that has been just putting aside put it aside Absolutely. by 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and black people know it, you know, oh, so yeah. it was, you know, it was an outward extension of love, you know, to embrace it, but to also be like, hey, mm -hmm. you know, once again, just a reminder. But, you know, when I think about Adele, I mean, what is Adele if not copying Mahalia Jackson? Yeah. yeah, she's literally, you know, she's got a little pizzazz, a little, you know, a little, a little sass on it. But, you know, that's what she's doing. She's belting. She's, mm -hmm. you know, she's winding. She's mm -hmm. going off. You know, that's yeah. all black music. That's yeah. black music. So, yeah. Good. Know. Yeah, that's a good, uh, that's a good one. Yeah. People should yes. watch. Hey there. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the show. Now, please like, subscribe, and follow us on all social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't worry, if you're not on those, you can still follow us on YouTube for weekly episodes and like and subscribe on Spotify. Do it right now. So, you know, I like to get into some things that are a little not as you know, not as good. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I call this our tea time <laughs> where, you know, we talk about things that we kind of are critiquing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, what about you? What are some things, you know, going on in your industry, your side of the media world? What do you see? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So I think one of the things that I've been seeing, I am a, a researcher kind of like have been for, for a while now for documentaries and stuff. So I do a lot of um, archival research and licensing and stuff like that. And I've noticed that there is an increase on the production of documentaries, historical documentaries. Um, and, and that's awesome, right? Because just now we we're just talking about how much we love documentaries and how much we watched. And I think you and I would never get sick of watching a new documentary. I was like, yeah, keep them coming. Yeah. I mean, no shade on people creating new content. Absolutely. Like, go for it. Um, but you and I are also on the more academic side, even our thinking or and the things that we want to watch. Mm -hmm. I love questioning of authority and questioning of, you know, common knowledge. I'm, I'm sure you're the same way. And many of the people that uh, watch you are the same way, kind of like always questioning because we know what's been done in history before, uh, but at the same time, I feel like this wave of anti-intellectualism and anti-knowledge, it's been impacting some of uh, the documentary making as well. So although I'm all for new films, um, I have been a little worried about everybody creating films without um, without taking in consideration the knowledge of some folks that have already researched that and creating, you know, creating films that reflect other folks, academics or not, but researchers work. Mm -hmm. So I say this because um, I've, I've been taking some meetings <laughs> and, and just sitting at some tables, you know, and, and, and feeling a lot of like, there is a lot of momentum on the stream platforms to create new stuff. And it's kind of like a wild west chase for the cash that has yeah. been put out there to create stuff without considering folks that have already, you know, work like have been done doing the work. Yeah. Have done, yeah. Yeah, so that is on my mind. Um, now, you know, I don't want to be like the the conservatives that we usually um, that we usually critique that want the pie for themselves. That's like absolutely not the case. It's more like maybe someone else have done that research. Maybe someone else have said that this before. Let's go there and just grab those voices and uplift those voices and those professionals instead of just being like me and my gang are going to make this film and we're going to rock it and it's going to be awesome and and you know all we need from you is this like very limited expertise on how i get this one photo license from getty or whatever you know anything more than that we got it and yeah. i think it's it's a problem that it's going hand in hand with um 
the anti-intellectualism and anti-knowledge pro uh, problem that we're having nowadays, which is like any expertise is taken with such a grain of salt that it, be it becomes almost like irrelevant. Irrelevant. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Like, how do you feel about that? Because you are also a creator. I'm a creator. I, at some point, if I sit on a table and, you know, I want to, I want to make a, a deal like for a film or something. Um, I just can't imagine creating anything without considering what's been done before or, that, you know, Absolutely. how do you feel about it? Yeah. I mean, that's, 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 Literally, we call them primary sources, right? We're supposed to be building our research, number one, on primary resources, given our interpretation, possibly our observations, you know, what we've added to that, what we've engaged with from that mm -hmm. researcher or philosopher beforehand, and of course, citations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it it is, um, it's, it's, it's a real, you're so right. Everybody is rushing to the cash grab. I, I did some um, assistant editor work uh, for somebody that was, you know, trying to get something on, I believe it was MTV or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, we just need cutaways. And I was like, you know, I'm like, oh, did you license? Do you have some material licensed? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, they're like, oh, no, just take it from YouTube. And I'm like, oh, no, that's not, no, that's not gosh. quite. That's not quite how that works. I mean, okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, for the demo, okay, we could grab it and say it came yeah. from this source and you know, you know, but but what, you know, what are you trying to do cuz cuz to me that just says, "Oh, you're not you're not really looking, you're not serious cuz you don't really have what you need." So, yeah. I'm just saying yeah. I agree with I see people rushing to the dash. Mm -hmm. Documentaries are kind of in vogue, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, there always are, to be honest. But you know, but yeah, they're they're definitely um, yeah, they're definitely in boom. And I think people are, and archival footage in some people's minds, maybe they think that's easier. You know, oh. maybe they think they start off with the oh, yeah. idea that it's a lot easier to just oh, yeah. go get a bunch of footage and go through footage and try to. You are so right about this evening. Yeah. I have no idea how many times I've I've heard people being like, all right, so to like calm the footage, how like you need what, like three days? And I'm like, three days? I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand that this is a job that is like sitting here and watching this over and over again with attention, with purpose. It's not just mindless like being on my phone and you know, like, oh, I'm watching this and I'm also tweeting. This is work. And yeah. you know something else? Um, so this is a situation that I've been through not that long ago. I was invited on a table to discuss the development of a documentary. And um, I just by chance knew a historian that had written a book about it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I was so sure that the person producing it had optioned the book mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to make the film. So. I was like, oh, that's great. So I'm going to get, and I kept mentioning the book. I'm like, I'm going to, you know, first thing I'm going to do is just go on the notes and just see where they got all those documents. It's so much easier when you, some, that's what I'm saying. Someone's done the work. Someone's done the work before you. Like almost, almost for sure. Like I'm not going to say 100%, but <laughs> if you had an idea, like just think maybe someone Someone has done, someone has checked and you're supposed to check. You're you supposed literally to. have to check. You literally have to check. And the person had, okay. So the person hadn't optioned the book. And um, so at the end it was like, so what book you're talking about? And I'm like, well, did you option so-and-so's book? And they're like, no. And it's a whole thing. And then the only way I could convince them that it was important to option this book was because I said, well, if you do, then no one else can make this movie. And you know, then it's your idea for like, three or four or five years, whatever it is, you know, and you can, and then it's yours. And they're like, oh yeah, no, for sure. Then. So can you look into how, and I'm like, dude, you should do this because the knowledge is there, not because it's your idea and no one else will make the movie. So, so that's what's, when you mention it, that was like one of the first things that came to my mind because that frustrated me so much as, you know, both someone working in the industry and also kind of involved in academic research. Mm -hmm. There's so much overlap. Things yeah. would be so much better if people would just look for those histo historians. And honestly, historians are 
under everywhere. <laughs> and everywhere. So Literally everywhere. love working for you. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you should say that because I think that's my tea time too, is that it's about having a book. Mm-hmm. I think your best, I've, I've honestly come to the conclusion that your best bet for a real deal, the, the, the deal, the break that everyone thinks they're looking for mm-hmm. is to, is to have a book Yeah, and to have a book that you are willing to option into a film or a series or some other thing, because 100%. the reality is, listen, I have been an independent artist for a long time. Okay. And, and my intention was always to crack the nut. I was like, whatever art, I don't care. I'm just, art is just pouring out of me, okay? Yeah. I am the art. So yeah. my goal is to figure out how to get paid for this because I'm already doing what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So in that pursuit, I found myself in corporate media. Now, whatever you want to say about that, I love it personally. It's mm-hmm. exactly where I belong. I belong mm-hmm. in television development. That's mm-hmm. where I belong. I'm, I'm, I, and I want to, you know, keep growing in that. But the reality of the matter is people are buying books. Mm-hmm. You yeah. can't, I mean, a pitch is fine, but that's not where the people are signing a million dollar check. That's not where people are saying, oh, let's green light this deal. No, yeah. it's in a book. Yeah. It's in a book that's already been written, already been researched, already been licensed, already been bought. That's 100% right. You're that's so right. It is. Yeah. And that's the real tea. So I love it that we've we've telling artists to do it. And I always say, make what you want to make, especially mm-hmm. if you're adamant about the integrity of your project and what you're trying to say, then be prepared to go all in. Don't even mm-hmm. worry about if you ever get the money. Make it because it's something that you're passionate about and you're willing to invest and give your time and your energy and your heart. Absolutely. Make yeah. that project. Yeah. But when you're ready to make a living... <laughs> Take it seriously. Take it seriously and write a book. Yeah. Because that is where you're going to be able to say, okay, not only have I gone through the process, I've been vetted. This, you know, this story and narrative holds up. Yeah. There's nothing worse than listening to these people's pitches and you're just like, where is this movie going? What? What do you want to make a movie about? I'm so lost. I I worked with an, an artist for a year who refused to accept that just saying, oh, it's about such and such and such and such was not a log line. No. That's not a narrative. That's not. Think you, are. you think you're a Spielberg that you can yes, walk exactly. and, just yes. and here's money. Yeah. And, yeah. And I was like, that's not a story. You need to tell people what this. It, it, you're absolutely right. And if you want funding, again, mm-hmm. if you have money and you yeah. want to make the project you want to make, by all means, go do that. Yeah. I will never stand in anyone's way. But if you need funding, If you're trying to get bought, if you want to sell an idea, then you need to write a book. (laughs) I mean, go through the process of writing a book. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree. And if you don't want to do that, then, but you still want to make a movie, then you find that book, you find that author, you open that book, and you work together with someone that's already done the work. The work. Yep. Instead of starting from scratch with your own half-assed research, which you don't even know, you know, and I'm not saying like, oh, give academics Absolutely. all the, that's not necessarily it. It doesn't that's have right. to be an academic, but s- someone, like, let's just walk together. I think there is a lot of like single runners trying to catch that pot of gold and it's it makes it harder. It makes it harder for them and it makes it harder for everyone that is trying to help them out. And it just makes for a lesser content too in my opinion. Yeah. You remind me of just the last note on this, that film Jihad Rehab. Did you hear about that at Sundance? I heard about it, but I haven't read I didn't see it either I... yet. And I don't know if, I don't know if it got bought uh, subsequently, but basically, yeah, it was at Sundance and, you know, it went from like the first night it was like rave reviews. And then the second night it was like, let's be a little bit more critical here. Mm-hmm. And that was the main critique that this person was a filmmaker. Well, she wasn't even a filmmaker. She was a vet, I guess, you know, who had access, mm-hmm. but she had experience as a filmmaker. So as a filmmaker, she had access to these subjects, but she wasn't, you know, she wasn't a researcher. She wasn't a journalist. She wasn't a sociologist. She wasn't anyone that took a critical eye mm-hmm. at what had actually been happening or even objective for that matter, right? Yes. So, yeah, that was the biggest critique was that she didn't work with enough people. She didn't get, you know, maybe even an executive producer with experience who could say, hey, you actually need, we need to get a writer here. We need to 
we need to work on what the narrative is here because you know this isn't this isn't panning out. <laughs> that is exactly right. Oh, so okay, it's G. Uh, what's the name? Jihad Rehab, which is already problematic, right yeah. there. <laughs> I'm gonna 100% watch this because it's exactly exactly what I had. Like the problem that I have in mind. It's like um, it could be so much better if you had just accepted. And I think it might have something to do with control of the creative product, right? I mean, there are many reasons, but I think one of them is like you don't want to lose any control of the, what you're creating. So you're just not going to contact anyone with any authority because that person might come and just tank something that you like or whatever. I don't, I don't know. It's yeah. Which is a part of filmmaking. I mean, every documentary, every documentary filmmaker goes through that. And the more you go through it, the more you realize, okay, this is an important part because yeah. a lot of times the things you like are not necessarily co don't bring the story together. Don't help. Yeah. Don't make any, don't make a movement, you know? Yeah. Especially when you're a beginner and yeah. you don't have a critical eye, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's what I, I like 100% agree. And I'm so happy that there are movies out there still being made now that have that problem. Not because it validates, like, I wish no movie had that problem. Because I don't, not, not, well, it's a problem. But it just shows that people are paying attention to that problem, right? That people are like, maybe this this piece of art could be better, could be deeper and more impactful if we had other voices adding a critical eye, like you said, to this and, and expanding this, right? Because I don't know, we like films. We don't want to just watch something that is just making like the most superficial argument because we're yeah, going to- or the surface, the most obvious, you know, yeah. or the 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 one that was in the, the zeitgeist. It's like, yeah, I've heard that one. What's yeah. yours? What's different? Yeah. Exactly. Well, and that's the other part because they are chasing the pot of gold. It's an investment to make a documentary, mm -hmm. right? And so it's this balance between do they really, because if you make the investment, then there's no profit. Mm -hmm. It's just you make the movie for the sake of the story being told. Yeah. Well, for a lot of people, that's a hard, you know, yeah. they wish, you know, they wish uh, for a documentary to be profitable, which means, okay, like I said, the archive, mm -hmm. you know, which is, sometimes significantly cheaper than filming, mm -hmm. right? Or doing like, like what I like to, I do longitudinal. So I'm going to film you over, you know, months, years, whatever mm -hmm. have you. I mean, that's like, who else can put that amount of money in to, right. to a project? So yeah, again, it's, it's definitely about financing. It's definitely about what's popular, what's hot, mm -hmm. what's an easy sellable film, you know, and we want to get somewhere in the middle. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. That we can only hope, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> we can only hope. That's what I, literally what I've been trying to do. But you know, you said something. You're like uh, about working corporate media, and you're like, I love it. I love it too. First of all, I love structure. I love knowing yeah, that. Yeah. First of all, hold on. Let's just come to it now. Hold on. Introduce yourself for real. Give us the rundown, and then we'll talk about your the corporate media. Because I, I want to start from the beginning so they understand how awesome you are. Do you have a small business looking to reach the LA market? Or can you send products anywhere? Then advertise with us. South of Hollywood podcast. We'll even try your products or sell them on our online store. That's right. You can reach us on social media at South of Hollywood podcast or SOH podcast at gmail.com. goodness no I, I'm um, totally not awesome but I have been working with uh, documentaries yeah I'm sorry I have been working with uh, documentaries for for with TV in general for like oh my goodness it's gonna be like too long uh, 20 well my first job with it was in 2011 um, so yeah like a, a decade um, that I've been working with it mostly as a researcher. So I worked in production companies, which is why like I brought that up. Like I like the structure. I like working big, big companies and I like working, you know, places that are doing serious work. 
um, that are now working with quacks that have some sort of like um, um, zeal for their own sake that they won't associate themselves with, you know, like just someone coming off the street. I kind of like that um, just personally. So yeah, I worked in production companies for a long time. And then I moved to the, I'm originally from Brazil, I guess should have, I buried the lead. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm like, yeah, I buried the lead. From I'm, the most beautiful place on earth. Yes. Really cool. I'm from Brazil and I'm from Sao Paulo though, which is a really cool city. It's not the prettiest, but it's really cool. It's a huge city. It's the biggest city in the country and well, one of the largest in the in Latin America. Might be just smaller than Mexico City, uh, but maybe just a little bit. I don't know. I want to say that it's bigger and the greatest, but anyway, I don't think it is. Um, and then I moved here like seven years ago. And um, shortly after that is when I, I met Ife. But the whole thing is that I moved here and it was the, I had all this experience doing all this stuff, research and development and this and that. And I just couldn't find jobs. I just like... Either everyone had that job already and no one would let it go because it's the coolest job you can have. You know that, Ife, because that's kind of what you do. Yeah. Uh, so you know that doing development for TV and stuff is like super fun and super great. So I went to all of those job interviews and I kept just not getting any job. Um, but I kind of wanted to stay on that, like, you know, working with media, working with TV, because I kind of wanted to continue meeting people that were doing that, those things. and. That's when we met and worked at SDI, which is um, a translating and subtitling company, uh, which, you know, kind of sounds like, oh, the lightest job you can have, which kind of like, um, actually, the more I watch, the more I'm like, people need these little words here translated to their to their language because not everyone speak English. English is like, this is an important thing that we do. It's yeah. actually accessibility to other people. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it it actually ticked up in um in disability for like closed caption and sound descriptors. Mm -hmm. And uh I was just actually I was at uh, at a Netflix screening last week and I asked to actually use them so I could just make test everything out, make sure that they, you know, were in line with the actual film and I was like, wow, you know, I spent years working on these and I never got to see it on the other side. And it was so awesome to be in a theater and see the C-cap and listen to the audio descriptor and say, wow, it really does make it accessible. And right? yeah. wow, this is like so important. Yeah. And I'm happy that it's becoming much more popular and acceptable to be accessible. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I totally agree. Maybe I didn't have that vision when I was working there. I, I wish, I, yeah, I wish I, I understood it better. But also, guys, if you've never worked with translators, they are the most vicious people on earth. It's a factory. It's like, ah! My yeah. goodness. So, so much of our energy was just, you know, like absorbed by the, by having to like deal with the politics of translators in the world around the world around like where the they world. were at wherever they were in the world yeah different cultures your different habits it's like it's a job it's yeah. a job so um i guess that's we bonded so well because we were like my goodness this is so intense for a subtitling company <laughs> i know and i'm like i thought they were i you know when we first started kim was like Oh, don't worry. It's, you know, no one's going to die, you know? Yeah. And yeah. then I was like, oh, are you sure? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That is so funny. Um, but, you know, I kind of wanted to stay into like the corporate world because I kind of, I wanted to stay in touch with what was actually like where the money was, where people, what people were doing. Indie stuff is awesome. And I consumed the hat out of it, but it's like you said, if, if you want to make a living, which I do, I don't want to be old and poor as hell and homeless right <laughs> so you kind of have to give in and then you know be in there and do the good work from in there there you go that's yeah. the other thing i mean i made an intention when i actually got to sei because i don't know you look young and beautiful i'm a little bit older maybe but when i got to, you're 32 yeah, I love oh, yeah. it. I'm 60. You are, you're gorgeous. You're you're gorgeous. I love it. Yes, I'm definitely. But when I but when I got there, I had the intention that I really wanted to stay somewhere for five years to mm -hmm. invest in my retirement, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was important for me. You know, it wasn't again, it wasn't about what I was creating. I, in fact, I don't even think the last three years I even watched anything mm -hmm. that they even 
distribute it. Yeah. I literally just was not even watching the content anymore because I was just like, I don't give a rat's ass what y'all make. I mm -hmm. am here to get out of this situation. And mm -hmm. in fact, it was when I decided, literally when I realized that my five years was approaching and I hadn't gotten a promotion or hadn't mm -hmm. gotten in any increase in my wages that mm -hmm. I actually needed because inflation was real. Yeah. My student loans were real. And at the point that I was like doing a lot of independent work with mm -hmm. my corporate job. So I'm like, okay, this is good. You know, because it's hard to get into freelancing in LA. So I was like, okay, I'm I'm making art. I'm doing things. I'm still getting fellowships. I'm still an artist in residence. Okay, I'm good. I can I can go into back into the creative side. Like I can mm -hmm. yeah. make that leap and be in corporate, which was like, you know, everybody was like, that'll never happen. And I was like, that's what I need though. Yeah, yeah, I have to do it though. Like mm -hmm. I have to get a creative producer job that is corporate. I have to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. yeah, it's the safest place. Yeah, but it's like what you're saying. I feel like I ultimately got lucky because again, but my heart was in the right place, you know? Mm -hmm. So I do feel like I landed at a documentary company that, that does that and it shares this values that I have. Yeah. And it produced work that is researched and based on books and, mm -hmm. you know, where people um, are getting equity, you know, and not just being taken advantage of. So I mm -hmm. definitely feel like, you know, and I'm not saying that's what other documentary companies are doing either, but it's, yeah. a, it's a, it's a fine line um, because it's you, it's still television. It's still movies. They still mm -hmm. have to find a way to make more projects. You know what yeah. I mean? So you can't just, everything just can't be like, oh, we, oh, okay. No, no these are people that learn how to budget and finance mm -hmm. great films. And I mm -hmm. just like, why wouldn't I want to be a part of that? 100%. I totally agree. I totally agree. And when I was uh, working, doing my internship at Frontline, it changed the way I saw a lot of things because I did have a little bit of that prejudice, you know, like, oh, these people are the establishment. They have all the power and they could change the world and they won't because of money. And I used to think that everything sucked. And then you go and you work at the, some of these places like you were you were at the uh, participant, right? Yeah. yeah, a participant like companies like that, uh, WGBH, who produces Frontline and produces um, American Experience and a bunch of other documentaries for PBS. Uh, like these places are deeply engaged with like a democratic way of creating content. Yeah. It's so difficult for me to see establishment, especially in the United States, um, as any way friendly or respectful of creators. But then you work for one of them and you're like, oh, yeah, there are a lot of really good, talented and good hearted people out there that really want to option your book. They really want to create your stuff and that really believe in your work. It's yeah. like, oh, I mean, I, I definitely it's unbelievable because it's like, yeah, I think um, I mean, I don't feel like I I didn't realize maybe I did have a bit of that prejudice, too, you know, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I always secretly was like, well, I always I wanted Netflix forever because I felt like it was more egalitarian, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe HBO, because I feel like their work represents things that I value. Mm -hmm. But I've thought about like Disney and I'm like, I, I just, you know, it wasn't Disney's on one I had in mind. Yeah, I had in mind. Yeah. yeah, I know some people don't care about things like that, but I actually do. And people would be like, oh, do. like I would never apply to Fox anything, you know, like mm -hmm. I just wouldn't. I don't care if they own FX and I don't, I would never apply. I, I, I love Nickelodeon. I wouldn't apply. They, cause they're, you know, I they just, none of that was what I wanted to do. I wouldn't, wouldn't work at MTV now. You know what I mean? Like that's not to say that they are making great things because the truth is they do. They have some great departments. They have a, they have a lot more money to be creative. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I think the real bag is what we were talking about too, which is, or what you mentioned about, you know, being at the table, mm -hmm. the reality is they did, they did need to diversify. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't always that the people were malicious at, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and the content that they chose and picked, but it's like what we're talking about. They were looking at people they were familiar with people that have made books. Mm -hmm. They were looking at people who had similar values to them. Well, those people in some regard are going to be also the same type of people as them. So yeah, I don't know which comes first, the chicken or the egg, but you know, 
diversifying those spaces is actually where that critical change that we're talking about comes into play, you know, by actually being there um, for whatever that is. And maybe, and, and sometimes being the first one doesn't mean you have the impact, right? You realize, oh, fuck, I can't stay here either. But mm-hmm. the next person after you, the people after you, you know, the more people come, yeah. you know, the more it opens up. So yeah. what is, so tell us, you know, what has that been your experience like being also, you know, you know, uh, uh, you're a new American citizen, you know, oh, yeah. see the media. What's been your experience? Yes. Recently naturalized American citizen. Um, honestly, I was very lucky to have met. I think the group, the coolest group of Americans to ever exist, all of my friends, you included, Maggie, uh, you know, my friends that I met through my husband, it's like the most wonderful bubble. (laughs) So I am very inspired and I learned how to be a good American from observing good Americans and kind of like understanding what was the the underlying actual value of the country instead of, you know, stuff written in the constitution by a bunch of slave owners. Um, you know, no shade on the constitution either. Actually, oh, I was, I had, I had to pledge an oath that I support the constitution. And I love the constitution. I love the constitution. With its imperfections. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. I love like no shade on the constitution, but also it could, it could be better, babe. Yeah. Um, I think many Americans that I know live a better life than the life that the Constitution asks of, asks of them. People that have gone beyond the, you know, the, the duties and responsibilities of what, what it means to be an American as it was laid out by those guys. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so that's what, because of that, and this might sound cheesy and I you know me and you know that doesn't come from a cheesy place this comes from honesty um as a as a student of American history I have learned that um American democracy and and the country the state of the country is only a democracy uh because African Americans black folks and women um fought for it it was not a democracy the country was not like if a country keeps someone as a slave it's not a democracy if a country keeps someone from voting it's not really a democracy so it was only after the amendments of the reconstruction and you know the early 20th century and then the civil rights in 64 those were the things that make that made this country democratic yeah. it was not before that it was obviously right? and, and, and you know that obviously yeah. no you know no i really feel like only the last few years that's that's been an epiphany for me. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. in fact, I've started a campaign where if it didn't, if it happened before 64, it didn't happen. Yeah. You know, they're always like, oh, here were the greatest baseball players of the 19th century. And I'm like, but it was segregated. Yeah. That doesn't count. Yeah. You know, like we need to really rethink about what we're talking about. Yes. Because right. we need to like stop this. None of that counts. Mm-hmm. That wasn't democracy. And that wasn't really America because yeah. there was no America until there was yeah a full recognition of citizenship now we could even go beyond that but i'll just stop you know i'll just take oh, it to the 60s gosh. you know what i mean we could do a whole new talk just on that theme alone but yeah. my point in bringing that up was that um learning that and understanding that made me a student of american history um i've been studying i went back to school i, I went back to santa monica college community college woo-hoo. Uh, which I loved. Um, after after I left S- S- SDI, I actually got some other jobs in production companies, which kind of sucked because I was working with uh, advertising. Boo! It's the worst. It's where the money is, the real money. Like people make ridiculous amount of money producing advertising, but I just cannot stand the dumbness of the work, to be honest. Um, so I left and eventually went back to school and um, transferred up here to UC Berkeley, which is why I live in Oakland now and not no longer in LA with you, which is why we're doing this online like this, instead of just like hanging out for a beer once in a while, which would be awesome too, but one day. Hey, hey, it's me. Sorry, I just wanted to take a little break. Could you do me one little favor? Could you just subscribe? Yeah right there. Just hit that button. 
just if you just could you just hit that hit that little plus yeah just add us make sure we're in your feed so you get our next episode and can comment and let us know what you think so this path of kind of like learning what's up with my new country led me to enroll in a whole damn phd program um at at columbia up in new york so i'm moving at the end of summer uh, to New York, yeah, which is kind of insane. I did not know that that's where I was going to end up. I really thought that after I got my bachelor's, I would just find a job in a production company somewhere doing documentaries, doing whatever. Uh, but but here I am. And uh, so, yeah, so now we're moving up to New York, which is going to be really fun. Uh, well, what's your PhD have- in? My PhD is in American history, 20th century American history. Uh, but my research is on... Um, African-American intellectual history, which is my favorite thing, the whole world, like in the whole world. And I didn't even know this. Okay. This is breaking news right now. That's true. You don't know this. Yes, Mm -hmm. it's true. Uh, My undergrad research was on a radical magazine called The Messenger, uh, which was written by A. Philip Randolph, who would come become a, a big civil rights leader. But this was when he was in his 20s, early 20s. And he had the, uh, yeah, he was in New York at that point. Oh, okay. He was in New York at that point. He had just moved to New York and he started this magazine up in Harlem. This was like the beginning of Harlem Renaissance. This is 1917. Um, and, um, it's called the messenger and it's a socialist magazine. They called it, um, scientific, um, revolutionary, scientific revolutionary magazine, which just means socialist. That's what they meant. Um, although my whole thesis was to prove that it meant more than that, but it's, it's kind of what they meant. (laughs) Socialist, they call it scientific because of Marx and, you know, like Marx, like talking about science. Uh, but yeah, that was my thesis. I wrote on their um, their intellectual thinking and like radicals during the. They were to the left of Du Bois, you know, like way to the left of the left of Du Bois. They were like way left wing socialist folks. Brilliant mm-hmm. writing, yeah, really really cool. Um, and it got me really interested in African American intellectual history. I applied to a PhD uh, based on that research and and got into Columbia probably because so much of my research. You know, it's about Harlem and stuff, and um, so oh, yeah. yeah, nice, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting! Yeah, oh my yeah. gosh, that's great. So we're we're gonna be ready to option that book. Okay, make sure that's you come right. first. Thank you, thank that's you. Right. It'll be five years, and it's gonna be on your desk. Ife. Absolutely, I will develop it. I am your girl. Just call me and be like, Ife, are you ready? My book is finished now. I'm ready, yeah. baby. I got you. You gonna be we we doing it? We ready? Okay. This is how deals actually get made right here, okay? That is true. It's building the relationship, the trust, until you're like, I I got this girl, I know her. I know her, she's legit. Yeah, we'll get you a director, baby. We're ready, okay? God, my dream, <laughs> like literally. You know, I mean, that's what we've been talking this whole time. That's what we've been talking about. That's what I'm saying. I am ready. We are, we gonna be ready. Well, exactly when that book is done, we are red team. We gonna be ready, okay? Uh, yes, keep it. Yes, okay. Yes. I'll keep in touch. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's so exciting. I mean, that's everything, you know, and that's what I was saying to you, you know, off camera, you know, exhibition mm-hmm. too is definitely something I'm into right now. And I feel yeah. like, you know, New York, you have a lot of uh, opportunity to try a lot of mediums, you know, yeah. to, to, to experience, uh, to, to express their research in a lot of different ways over yeah. time, you know, yeah. um, and that all goes into it too, you know, eventually when, if you want to do something like a film, right, you'll have, not only will you have the research, the experience, the network, mm-hmm. but you know, you can be, then, then it's like, then it's like coloring outside the lines, right? Then it's mm-hmm. like, then you can be as creative as you want because yeah. you do have the structure of a book and you have been a professional in the industry. So yeah. that is where the real magic happens. And that's what I'm like, that's how you, you know, get to do it guys. So even though they make it sound like it's a bad deal, no, get it. Work in the corporate industry if you can, because it's yeah. a lot to learn. It's a lot to understand. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I yeah. totally agree. And and if you master that, then imagine what you can do as an independent. You know, like if you 
if you're a real insider in like in the in the industry in the corporate America and and then you know you do it five ten years which is like this yeah it's like it's nothing it's nothing you then then you can come out with some gravitas and then you can do your own thing and then you know who to call and you know uh, you know you're gonna need an executive producer with some name to do something you know who that person is gonna be you know what I mean like th that's how that's it works it. but that's you don't know this. yeah but yeah. you don't know it until you get in the door because that yeah. is how it actually works yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it. And 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 rightfully so to some extent because again, if we're a part of that, then that's what we do too. We mm -hmm. get to bring in our friends, our network, we yeah. get to work with people that we trust. We yeah. get to, and by over that, we also have that diversity because that's what we're doing. We're bringing in those people. So, I'm all about that. I'm 100%. I'm ready, girl. I can't wait. Awesome. Awesome. Me neither, yeah. honestly. Yeah, this is, it's just fun things ahead. Like, I do feel like fun things ahead, which is why I'm like, are we at war? Like, is it going to be a civil war? Is it going to be a war in Russia? It's like, guys, I have so many plans. Yes, I think about that too. Oh my gosh. I definitely yeah. think about that. And not to end on a serious note, but you know, I think about people around the world and I just say, okay, well, that's why everything I make has to be for the benefit of the world, you know, for to make things better, to actually try to make things better. Because I don't know if I'll get tomorrow, but I'm going to work for mm -hmm. making things better. Yeah. It better than you found it, right? That's a yeah. big, big theme in my head always, too. Yeah. 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 So we're just going to push through. We're not going to let the, the winds of change move us. We're just yeah. going to keep being determined to victory. Yes. Yeah. That's <laughs> I'm not it. a communist Chinese <laughs> saying, you know. That's how you got to think, you know? That's right. That is how you got to think. That's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's been so great having you. Just lastly, can you tell us how people can follow you or, you know, anything that you can share in the future, how they can stay a part of your work, support your work, make donations, you know, buy your works, your books, hire you, whatever. How can people stay in touch with you? Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm on Twitter more than any other um any other platform it's gonna be jules towers so towers like my last you can name write it in there too you can just write it in the chat oh sweet all yeah. right I'll do that. Yeah. um so this is my twitter but more importantly is that um i would love for people to keep an eye out for the documentary that i'm working on right now which ends up being an indie documentary however they did option a book um, they are doing the right way. And um, I am working as an archival producer and an um, associate producer in general, doing some other stuff for them too. But the documentary is called Thibodeauville. And it is about the late 19th century um, race massacre that happened in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it was the killing of over 20 uh, workers, black workers that were working in uh, cane sugar down in Louisiana. They were organizing with the Knights of Labor and uh, white plantation owner owners that were, you know, feeling threatened by the labor organizing, pretty much locked them into the city and, and, and went house from house to house, um, killing a lot of the None of the organizers, though, a lot of the workers, but none of the organizers, which there's a whole thing behind it. You can watch it in the movie. Um, so the movie's probably going to come out uh, during the summer. Again, the name is Thibodeauville. I'm going to put it here. Yes, you have that too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Thibodeauville. Yeah, that's the film. Um, and it's, yeah, it's the, it's the latest thing that I'm working on that is kind of big. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be filled with cool images. <laughs> this is what I'm guaranteeing you. Cool, uh, cool image and cool uh, footage and just some uh, uh, important story that is not a cool story at all. It's not a, a hot topic at all, but it's one of those mo moments that in history that it's kind of like it, it gets passed by with other m more m massive race massacres that happened in the late 20th, in the late 19th century and early 20th century. Kind of like, oh yeah, and then there's that Louisiana one. But it's actually you know, the, the brutality of it is the knocking door to door, um, which is, you know, it, it shows the, the the magnitude of the race um, problem in the early 19th century. 
So anyway, it's a really great movie. If you want to see what I do, all you need to do is just see the images and footage on that movie. And I found those and license them and do all that work for them. So. Yes. Well, that's awesome. Well, I am so excited for your upcoming mm -hmm. book, for this upcoming film. Of course, I'm going to watch it. So yes. just let me know. You're going to send Yes, and I cannot wait. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been so awesome to have you. We could talk forever. I'm I'm sorry to everyone that it has this long episode, but it was so great. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, I know we could we could chat. I mean, we were chatting even before we started. We could yeah. chat for hours after. So thank yeah. you so much, Yife. It was awesome. It was so fun, and I was so nervous and shy, but I felt I felt just so comfortable, and I feel so comfortable with you. It was awesome. Thank you. Hey.